Can you believe this? I'm Ray, by the way. Hello, welcome to another Sunday podcast. Can you believe this? On a quiz thing on the telly the other day, they were talking about cities. Mention UK cities, okay, without the letter E in them. So this chap said Brighton, which is 10 miles up the road from me on the south coast. Brighton, he said. I thought, yep, that's good. Why is that wrong? Everyone's looking at each other on the quiz show. Well, what do you mean? Brighton's a city. There's no E in the word Brighton. What's going on? No, it's Brighton and Hove. What? Hove is a separate place altogether. It's next to Brighton, but it's not part of Brighton. What are they talking? What is going on? Brighton is a city. Hove is not a city. Brighton and Hove, my... What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? My foot. I don't know what... The, what is it people say? WTF. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So don't blame me. Honestly, I, I don't know what to say about that. It's just a load of rubbish. You probably heard me moaning before about Shoreham Airport. Brighton and Hove City Council, whatever that means. And it is... Brighton City Airport. What are you talking about, Brighton City? Hang on a minute, let me just double check that. Yeah, they've called it Brighton City Airport. Shoreham is nowhere near Brighton. It's about five miles away. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what's going on. Take me back to the 1960s. Oh, bliss and the music. The girls. <laughs> Happy days or what? All this nonsense. The thing is, people change names of places. They change names of local pubs. No one asks anyone. Imagine, you know, where I live in Worthing. Imagine if they said, right, it's now Worthing and Lansing City. What? It's nowhere near Lansing. Lansing's four miles, five miles down the road. Well, three miles. I don't know. Who does this? I'd like to know who does this. Who votes for these idiots sitting behind desks? Oh, I know what we'll do. Let's change Shoreham Airport to Brighton City Airport. What a nerd thing that That will annoy people. Idiots. I would say something stronger, but I'd probably get struck off the <laughs> the Podbean host thing. Right, have I done the weather? No, I haven't. OK, humidity 65%. Now, today is a funny... Oh, by the way, it's a funny old day. 9th of July. No, June. God's sake, goodness me. 9th of June, 2023. And it's Friday... And it is 10 to 2 in the afternoon, I think. <laughs> yes, it is. The reason I'm doing this Friday, Trisha's gone. She left at 12. No, not left me. <laughs> left me. But she's gone. She's gone to Bogner with a group of her friends. You know what's at Bogner, don't you? Oh, Butlins. Now, for those outside the UK, Butlins is a holiday cap. Have you ever seen Heidi High? Heidi High, ho de ho the TV programme, that was from, when was that made? Was that the 60s or 70s? Heidi High. It was a great programme and it's all about a, a holiday camp. I think it was based on Butlins. Anyway, Trish has gone there. She went there about an hour ago, <laughs> two hours ago, to Butlins Bogner and she's back on Monday. So I've got a, a quiet weekend. <laughs> Can you believe that? A quiet weekend. 65% humidity. 10, 12 millibars, 23 centigrade at the moment, which is 73 Fahrenheit. Now, I keep getting messages from the Met Office, email things, warning. What was it? Danger, danger. No, it wasn't Will Smith, was it? We've done that one. <laughs> danger, danger, heat wave. Danger, danger, lightning, thunderstorms, crashing down and all this stuff. 
health warning, health warning, could you believe it? It might reach 30 degrees centigrade. Be careful, health warning, drink a lot. Right, well, I'm going to, Trish isn't here. No water they're talking about. Drink a lot of water. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? Don't sit in the sun. Well, I would have thought that's obvious. Use sun cream if you got yes. Why do we have to have all these health warnings about what to do? Because we've got a lovely summer's day expected. To be honest, it's very... Oh, I did do the wind. Blasting from the east. Really is a, a wind from the east. It's awful. Right, so I've moaned about the weather. I've moaned about Brighton. Uh, what is it? Brighton and Hove City or something ridiculous. What's next on my... What have I got here? Bob. Oh, Bob had an idea. Hello, Bob. He said, if I need a break <laughs> from doing these podcast episodes, why not have Flashback Sunday? OK, we have flashback episodes. Basically, I put on one from about three years ago and say, they are that Sunday's podcast episode. What do you think about that? I know a lot of you have gone through the whole lot, all four years worth or whatever. Was it over 300 episodes now? That must take quite a lot of listening to. I don't think I could do that. More of a man than I, was it Gunga Din? So that is an idea, Bob. What do people think? Raise rants at protonmail.com. Would it be good if I if I said, I'm not bothering this Sunday, so I'm going to put an old one. Repeats. A bit like the BBC. Everything on there is a repeat, or just about everything. What do you think about that? Rubbish. John, nice to hear from you. Do you remember I was talking about the cornfield or wheat field, whatever it is, by our school playground? And I said, uh, door, not door mice. What did I say? Field mice came out of the corn. And I said, uh, I'm pretty sure they're field mice. I remember the teacher correcting us. Anyway, John, hello to you. They are harvest mice. Thank you, John. Now you've said that. I do remember the teacher looking down at us little ones saying harvest mice. OK. Not field mice, not door mice, harvest mice. Thank you for that, John. Ray, when I said about the duck that dropped the egg, laid the egg on the sort of track uh, by the farm where I was and walked off. Now, Ray says the reason they do that is because there might be something wrong with the egg. Hens drop eggs on the ground because something's wrong with the eggs. They instinctively know. So they will lay the egg on the ground and walk off. That's interesting, isn't it? Thank you for that, Ray. That's interesting. I've had more emails, but uh, my notes are in a bit of a mess. Now, I don't know what this one is all about. I've called it Brighton. <laughs> That's the working title. Brighton. Oh, they're getting on with a new roundabout on the A27, which is near Shoreham Airport. I don't know where Brighton City Airport is. No such place. So Shoreham Airport, that's where the new roundabout's going in. You can't look on Google Maps because they probably haven't updated that yet. But uh, you're probably not interested anyway. Who wants to see a roundabout on Google Maps? It's a great, I was going to say a great improvement. These days, most things that they do are not improvements at all. They're dreadful. They're building a load of houses. They were going to have Ikea. You know Ikea? They were going to have an Ikea store near Shoreham Airport. And they were going to build a load of houses and a school. I think whatever else, shops or whatever. Probably no pub. No, people can't afford to go to pubs. Then Ikea said, we're not doing that. We're not building there. Well, no, forget us. So they're still going ahead with the houses. I forget how many houses. And a school. 
And out near East Preston, you know those crossing gates? I've mentioned those crossing gates that were down for half an hour on Monday. They're building a load of houses there. So I don't know what's going on. We, ha we won't have any green spaces left before long. So that's that. Let's not talk about the present anymore. It's horrible. Let's go back to the good old days. Let's hear from Mark in Dublin. Hello, Mark. Lovely to hear from you. And thank you so much for the, uh, the MP3. Let's see what Mark's got to say. This, this is about the good old days, not about the present. Hello from Ireland. Ray, old son, love your podcast and I continue to listen to it and contribute every so often. Why? Because I find your podcast. Oh, it's an oasis of civility in a world gone mad and one I pretty much no longer recognise. So it's Mark Manning here from Ireland. want to give you a rundown on British comics. Comics as in publications, by the way, not as in double-chinned comedians like Bernard Manning. No relation, I have to add. Let's start with The Beano and the Dandy. They were published by D.C. Thompson, a company based up in Dundee. And the main characters of the Dandy were people like Desperate Dan, and of course the flagship character was Corky the Cat. And you had the Beano, which was Biffo the Bear. There was Little Plum, he was an Indian, remember, remember that? Dennis the Menace, of course, and his dog Nasher. Remember those red and black shirts he used to wear, Roger the Dodger. I do appreciate some of this may be lost on your international listeners and American cousins. Winker Watson. He was a bit like us, Ray. He never seemed to leave school. He was always in sixth form. He just never seemed to move from sixth form. He mustn't have progressed very far in his education. Oh, boy. And of course, the the annuals every Christmas, you'd get the hard-backed edition of the Beano and the Dandy or the Buster or the Topper. There were other comics as well. The Topper featured Beryl the Peril. She was a Tom girl. Politically incorrect characters as well featured. You would see Billy Bunter and Ten Ton Tessie, who ate all the pies. We knew who did those two characters. Keyhole Kate, she was either listening or looking through the keyhole, and she had a big long nose to represent just how nosy she was. Sparky was a comic. Eagle, Warlord, which was in the 70s, I think its character, main one was Lord Peter Flint. He was a tough, and he was always chasing Nazis around. Bunty for the girls as well as Twinkle. Boys adventure comic and largely war stories based. The victor had Alf Tupper. He was known as the king of the track. And his favourite food was fish and chips. And he was a working class lad who just seemed to be an amazing athlete who won loads of competitions. Colonel Blink. Remember Colonel Blink, anybody? Wizard and Chips. I'm throwing out these names here. When we got into our teens, uh, Radio Luxembourg, you'd identify with that, Ray, us being two old pirate DJs. Uh, Radio Luxembourg had a magazine called Fab 208, and that was kind of trendy. Look-in magazine as well. So you'd have the, you know, the two Davids on the front, David Essex and David Cassidy. The Beano and the Dandy represented British order to me. It seemed quite civilised. There was respect for the Bobby, the constable and the teacher. And adults were OK to be played tricks on, but were to be ultimately to be respected. It's gone totally bananas these days and in a different way. Technology has goofed things up, but I feel like I'm beginning to preach now. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Take care of yourself, Ray. Ha ha. Stown the crows. Happy days. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Lovely to hear from you. I've said before, if you want to send me an MP3, 
audio recording, any kind of format, send it in just to, you know, where are you from? Tell me anything. Hello, I'm from Scotland. I'm from Indonesia, whatever. Just say hello. It'd be great. Thank you for that, Mark. I do remember the dandy and the beano. Desperate Dan, who remembers that cow pie. Do you remember the cow? The pie, the cow's horns sticking out of the top of the pastry on the, on his cow pie. Presumably, there was an entire cow in the pie. I don't know. Fab 208, yes, Radio Luxembourg. Of course, back then, back in the, what, early 60s, late 50s, we only had Radio Luxembourg. Well, apart from the BBC rubbish, we only had Radio Luxembourg. So Radio Luxembourg on 208 metres medium wave, they brought out the Fab 208 magazine. Trish remembers that, even though she's a lot younger than I am. It was great. Everything was great back then. Do you, <laughs> has anyone ever looked at Viz magazine? That's a little bit controversial. Um, I don't even know whether it's still running. A friend of mine, he was a, an editor. He's retired now. I'm not going to say any more than that. But uh, he used to get Viz magazine. And each one that he got, he finished with it. He would post it. He lived in London. He'd post it to me. And it was it was quite good. There were things, apart from Desperate Dan in your, your comics and things like that, Lord Snooty, do you remember that? In Viz magazine, I'll have to translate this, one of the uh, sort of comic strip things was two large ladies. <laughs> I, I can't say the original, you'll know what I mean. But there were various things in I don't know how they got away with it in Viz magazine. I did have a whole collection of them. I, I think I gave them away. They probably get passed on and on. But um, yeah, great stuff, Mark. Brings back nice memories. My mum, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I had the Beano and the Dandy comic. I don't know which way round it was. Now, in those days, as I was saying to you, Mark, in those days, the postman turned up seven or eight o'clock. The milkman, well, anything from four in the morning onwards. It was great. The paper boy who bought my uh, dandy and beano, he was sort of there about seven o'clock. So it was fantastic. Whereas these days, people don't seem to want to get out of bed. If a milkman turns up, it's kind of midday. <laughs> the postman, our postman can be any time from 10 in the morning till three in the afternoon. I don't, they don't seem to have these set times anymore. Everyone got the post or the majority of people opened the post before they went off to work and before they went to school. But times have changed, haven't they? I know what you mean about respect, Mark. In those days, if you're doing something wrong, like climbing up a half-built house on a building site, mucking around with the cement mixer that's on the building site, you're continually looking over your shoulder in case there's a copper coming along on his bicycle. And if one did, which he did on several occasions, you get a clip round the ear <laughs> and told not to do it. Get off that building site. If I see you there again, I'll come and see your parents. And we were fearful of coppers, but we had respect. You know, you certainly wouldn't answer him back. A policeman, you wouldn't answer him back. Whereas these days, the kids just put two fingers up at the policeman. No respect at all. Same with the teachers. I mean, in my school, you, you didn't, well, if you did answer teachers back, you got the cane. Whereas these days, teachers, well, they get the sack, don't they? <laughs> they get the sack for for mentioning the wrong pronoun or something. I mean, how, I, I don't know. Let's not go there. Anyway, great days. Desperate Dan and Cow Pie. Nasher. <laughs> I like Nasher the dog. He was brilliant. All sorts of stuff. I wish I'd kept some of my old comics. They're probably worth a fortune now.
Okay, let's move on. Just had an email, uh, air quality alert or whatever it's called for Sussex, where I am, moderate. So that's okay. The sun's come out now. We had haze and clouds and it was about 25 degrees. Now the sun's out. It's meant to reach, I think, about 28 this afternoon. And then we've got the thunderstorms coming in on Sunday. But uh, they keep on about this mini heat wave and people on social media, they're all saying every week you talk about this mini heat wave, nothing ever happens. Now you're on about thunder and lightning. Well, where is it? What's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Mind you, in the old days, the weather forecast but wasn't much better. Do you remember Michael Fish? A hurricane? No, of course there's not going to be a hurricane. Stone the crows. Oh, that reminds me, stone the crows. Mark, at the end of, <laughs> at the end of your recording, you said, ha ha, stone the crows. Do I say ha ha? Do I? I don't know. I must listen to the, one of two of my podcasts. No, I can't do that. It'll bore me. Ha ha. <laughs> I just don't. No, it's funny, isn't it? How you're not aware of saying things. Did I mention before when we were, we were kids in the 50s, uh, our dad bought a reel-to-reel tape recorder and I recorded my voice and my sister recorded her voice and we both said, oh, is that what I sound like? And of course, my dad's saying, well, yes, it's you. That's what you sound like. Well, it's awful. It really was awful. I never forget that. I was there on the floor with my sister with this reel-to-reel tape recorder. We had the microphone and we're both saying, hello, one, two, three, into the microphone. And we both agreed that we sounded awful, not each other, but our own voice. And this is why a lot of people won't send in MP3s because you think, oh, my voice is dreadful. I'm not having that put around the world. <laughs> Go on, do it. Just send it in. It doesn't matter. It's, your voice won't be awful, honestly. I know there are some people, there are some people with dreadful voices. We won't go into that. But I think the majority of people, they think their voice is awful and it's not at all. Now, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else related to that and I completely forget what it was. Do you know last Wednesday, do you remember I said, I've got a great idea for next Sunday for the episode. And I can't remember what it was, but I will remember. Well, I haven't remembered. I haven't got a clue what it was, but it was a great idea. What I do is email myself. I think I've told you that before. What does this say? Dutch. Dutch pirates. Oh, that's nothing to do with this. Dutch pirates on 68 mega megahertz and 85 megahertz. They're transmitting in stereo. So there we are. Dutch pirates also transmit on the medium wave band as well, which is quite interesting to listen to. Anyway, we're not talking about that. And in fact, going back to Fab 208, Radio Luxembourg, 208 meters medium wave in the old days, there were, when the ships came out in the North Sea, Caroline, London and all that lot, a lot of people based on land, like myself, who knew a bit about electronics, we built transmitters and <laughs> we set up our own pirate radio stations. I remember my first one, I was about 16 years old in the shed. I had a, a shed sort of workshop place with all my radio gear in there and I built this transmitter and I'm playing records and talking into this microphone. You're listening to Channel Radio. I remember that Channel Radio because the English Channel is just down the road. Another one of mine was called Telstar, Radio Telstar. <laughs> it was awful. It was illegal. I think that's why it was so much fun at 16 years old. So spend the Sunday transmitting illegally on medium wave with your pirate radio station. Then spend Sunday evening in the pub, 16 years old, drinking illegally. <laughs> 
And then on your way home, no, we won't go into that. But they were, I know I keep saying it, they were fantastic, happy days. You won't believe this. I just popped downstairs to make a cup of tea and get some Jaffa, you know, Jaffa cake type biscuit thing. I got a couple of those. Trish said, don't pick at things, will you, while I'm away. She's left me proper meals. She's left me all the, the food and everything, so I'm completely organised. Don't pick at crisps and biscuits. Well, I'm not. I just had a couple of Jaffa cakes. But while I was down there, I stepped out of the back door and the heat hit me. It really did hit me with your rhythm stick. Honestly, I looked, <laughs> I looked at the thermometer, 45 degrees centigrade. Hang on, what's that in Fahrenheit? Let me quickly look that up for you. Hang on a second. 113 Fahrenheit. There you go, 113 degrees Fahrenheit, 45C under our patio roof. That's the most it's ever been. It reached 45 two or three years ago. Of course, it's like a greenhouse, although the front is all open. You've got the house at the back. Then each side, there's the, a brick wall one side. That's our utility room out there. The other side is all the, the fencing. And the roof is that poly, or what do you call it? Poly, I don't know, twin wall poly stuff or whatever. So it's like a greenhouse, even though the front is open. It faces south and it really does get hot. 45 degrees. Struth. No wonder our tomato plants do well. We've got three. We always have three tomato plants in a grow bag out on the patio. And they always do really well. We've got runner beans coming on, just like the old days. Oh yes, Savoy cabbages. I've grown half a dozen of those and they are humongous. I don't know. Are they meant to be that big? I don't know. Well, you can't see. I might put a picture on the on the web page so you can see them. But uh, they're huge. They've got massive leaves. And there was a cabbage white butterfly. You know what they do, don't you? He was hovering and landing. I was shooing him away. That's where, when we had grandson here. He was shooing him away as well. He said, why are we shooing the butterfly away? They're nice. I said, no, the cabbage white, what he wants to do, or she, is land on the leaves and lay eggs. And the eggs go to caterpillars. They eat all my cabbages and they become cabbage white butterflies and they do it all over again. The butterfly did land there. We couldn't stand there all day and shoo him away, her away. So I've looked and I can't see where there are any eggs. I don't know how small the eggs are, but I can't see any. So anyway, no doubt we will have caterpillars crawling all over my Savoy cabbage leaves at some stage, but they are huge. Oh, while we're talking about vegetables, we had our first beetroot the other day. We pulled up some beetroot. Trish cooked it in her pressure cooker thing. And we had it with salad. Ah, oh, fantastic. What a difference. What a difference homegrown things are to what you can get in the supermarket. Absolutely fantastic. The radishes we had, they were, well, they tasted like radishes. The ones from the shops don't seem to taste like radishes. Ours were really... What's, what do they taste? You're peppery or whatever, hot or whatever it is. The ones from the shops, you you eat a rubbish, uh, a rubbish, a rubbish, <laughs> or a tomato, and they just don't taste, cherries especially, they don't taste like cherries, they're just nothing. I don't know. Anyway, the runner beans are coming on really well, and they are really nice. Runner beans straight off the, the plant, is it the vine? We've got onions coming along, we've got spring onions, leeks, they're doing really well. What else have we got? I've planted a load of flowers. We've planted those all from seed and they've all come up and some of them are flowering. That's really nice. Did I tell you I did? We lost our frog 
a cat got him, so that's the end of him. That's a shame. But the tadpoles are still going strong in the pond. No legs yet, though. No legs. Perhaps they're going to be legless frogs. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I did it, didn't I? Ha ha. It's not ha ha. It's I'm laughing. Ha ha. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Who loves listening to these podcasts? I love recording the podcast. It's good fun. Sometimes when I'm awake at two or three o'clock in the morning, I'm staring out of the window because we don't draw the curtains. I like to see the sky. I'm staring out of the window at the moon or the, the stars. And I think, I know what I want to say on the podcast, but I can't. There are lots of things I would love to say. <laughs> things about, I don't know, politically incorrect things. And uh, really let go, you know. <laughs> let my hair down. That's a funny old expression, isn't it? Why don't you let your hair down? In other words, just go off and be yourself. Go for it. But no, you have to be not so much politically correct, but not uh, not rude. You know, it's no. there's no point in being rude or deliberately inciting, not inciting violence, but arguments and uh, division, disagreements and all that stuff. Now, what I might do as it's Friday, I'm waiting for this thunderstorm to turn up, which I think it's Sunday. So this podcast will be out on Sunday morning, eight o'clock. If it is before Sunday, I shall record it. Well, I'll record it anyway, then you can hear it the following Sunday. But I want to have a, a break now until tomorrow, till Saturday, to see what this weather does. Then I can update you on that, because I know that you are highly interested in the weather. If you're in Britain, then you will be, because us Brits, we all talk about the weather. So I'm just getting dust off my my desk. <laughs> my three quid pine table. Oh, sorry, I mustn't mention that. No, we do like talking about the weather, us Brits. I don't know why it is. I don't Probably because it is so changeable here. One minute you're putting on a jacket. Oh, it's cold, it's windy and it's raining. Half an hour later, the sun's out. Oh, it's sweltering. <laughs> Funny old place, isn't it? The UK weather-wise. It's, uh, I think being an island, it's a bit different. Also being kind of north of mainland Europe, we get slightly different weather. We get some nice warm days. But also we get some of the chilly stuff as well from north of us. But as I've said many times before, it's nice to have the four seasons, although they are beginning to all kind of, well, they're not blending into one because in the middle of winter, it can be minus six degrees. And in the summer, we're like now 45 on the patio. But uh, they are beginning to, the division between each or the transition or whatever between each season is now blurring if you see what I mean you don't suddenly think oh spring's here it just merges very slowly into this mishmash of slightly different temperatures and uh, right I might leave it here as I say until Saturday so I can update you on our ever-changing weather it's now Saturday just gone midday and it got hot yesterday do you remember what was the temperature I said under the patio anyway yesterday the peak 48.2 48.2 centigrade. What's that in Fahrenheit? I don't know, well over 100. Absolutely amazing. I had to shut the back door, well, the back door, the dining room door, keep the heat out. Today, we're expecting the thunderstorm, or tomorrow, they keep on and on about it. Have you heard the latest news? Highly interesting, not. Boris Johnson has resigned. About uh, eight o'clock, I think, last night, UK time, of course, it was on the news. Boris Johnson has resigned with immediate effect. He's had enough, he's cleared off. <laughs> Do you know, I have never understood why people that have got some money, he's obviously got a few quid, 
Why be Prime Minister? Why be Mayor of London as he was? Stone the crows, it's nothing but trouble, isn't it? Nothing but problems, nothing but people having a go at you. Whatever you do, it's wrong. Well, they say damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> I would hate it, I couldn't be bothered. If I had a few million stashed away, I'd just retire and go and enjoy it. Go and enjoy life, you know, enjoy the countryside, the wildlife. Just sit there by a lake, just staring at the ducks. Excellent. Well, why go to the House of Commons and get yelled at? <laughs> anyway, that's our latest news. I don't sort of do politics anymore, as I've said, but I thought I'd just mention that so that those of you perhaps outside the UK haven't heard, well, you've heard now. And what's happening with Trump over there in America? He's, what's he been, I don't know, something's happened there. Someone said he might go to prison. <laughs> Dear me, what is going on with these politicians? Anyway, enough of politicians, let's move on. Went over to Bogner, eight o'clock this morning. It was hot then, it was about, what, 20-something then, I think. 22 it was, that's right, eight o'clock going over there. Went and had breakfast in Hotham Park Cafe. Lovely. Hotham Park is a fantastic place. Have a look on the map. You look it up on the map. Hotham Park, Bognor Regis, West Sussex. <laughs> anyway, we had a lovely breakfast. Met Trish there and uh, her sister and other ladies all doing this Butlins thing. Had a nice breakfast. And then the best part was driving past Butlins and coming home. They've all gone back there. They must be mad. Look at the weather. It's red hot here. It's a fantastic summer weekend. And they're stuck in Butlins listening to that row. <laughs> Rather them than me. Nice breakfast though. All is under control here. I've fed Gary the tortoise. He's now mooching around the garden. One minute he's in the shade. Then he comes out and warms up. He's got plenty of food, plenty of water. He's got everything he needs, as have I. So there we are. What is there to be miserable about? Absolutely nothing. Especially as I'm not at Butlins. Trisha's sister said... I bet you thought you'd gone deaf <laughs> without treasure at home. I have. It's so quiet. You can hear a pin drop. I was going to phone the doctor and say, can you check my ears? No, 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 I'm only joking. Trisha might listen to this. I'm only joking. On the way back, the engine light came on in the car. I don't know what that, what's that mean? Do you know what that means? It's a little picture of an engine. Well, it sounds all right. It runs all right. So I don't know. I spoke to my brother-in-law about it. He said, probably emissions, they've got detectors in the exhaust pipe and if the emission's not quite right, the engine light comes. I mean, good grief. When I had a, a Morris 1000 back in the old days, a Morris Minor, didn't have engine lights and all that nonsense. It either ran or it didn't. <laughs> had an oil light and an ignition light. And that was it. Fuel gauge, speedo. Our car hasn't even got a temperature gauge. I, I wondered whether it was overheating. But there's no temperature gauge. Anyway, I shall, I'll probably drop that round the garage on Monday or something and say, look, what's this all about? And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll fix that. Yeah, 500 quid. All right. Cheap at half. Why do people say cheap at half the price? I would have thought dear at half the price, isn't it? Whatever. Anyway, there we are. I think I might just get a black felt tip and scribble over the engine light so I can't see it. <laughs> Is that a good idea? Probably not. Talking of cars, this is funny. Heard this this morning. Um, one of our family members has just passed her driving test, no names. And she said to the examiner, this is the driving examiner, they sat in the car and she said, I nearly killed the last examiner because <laughs> she failed the first time. I mean, you don't say that. I said to her, you can't. <laughs> anyway, she passed. 
Apparently, the examiner said, would you like to uh, share that experience with me? What happened? And she told him what had happened. I I don't know what it was. (laughs) But you don't say to the examiner, I nearly killed the last examiner. Well, that's not a good way to start. That's the trouble with her. She is so open and upfront. And she says things to people that are perfectly true, but it's probably best not to say it. I don't know. Imagine I nearly killed the last examiner. I love that. I was going through some of the emails from you all yesterday and Brent mentioned, you know how I'll say, oh, hang on, newsflash, oh, something's happened. Brent said that can give the impression that I've more important things to do than talk to you. Um, I, I, I take your point, Brent. I do see what you mean. Some people have said they like that. They like to know what's going on, especially people. Well, I think, Brent, you're in America, aren't you? So I don't know. It's a difficult one, that. But uh, perhaps I won't mention that too much, unless it's hugely important, like like the weather forecast. No, no, I think we've talked enough about the weather for one uh, episode, don't you? But yeah, I do take your point, Brent. I suppose it does give the impression that any interruption, and I'd rather talk about that than the, the subject in hand, so to speak. Anyway, there we are. That actually reminds me of something my brother said many years ago. He said the phone is a a very rude way of communicating because you're perhaps three or four of you, you're sitting down having a chat, the phone rings. This is in the old days of the landline, didn't have mobiles then. The phone rings and you go and answer it. Whatever the conversation is, whatever that all stops, all comes to a halt. The phone's ringing. That is more important than anyone in the room that's having a chat. And I, I remember at the time, I did see his point. I thought, yeah, that's true. Trisha and I can be having a chat. Phone rings. End of chat, we've got to answer the phone. Of course, these days with mobile phones, wherever you are, you can be out for a meal in a restaurant and your phone will ring. I don't answer my phone if we're out for a meal. In fact, I don't switch it on. It's like going round to the doctor or the dentist. I switch the thing off. I don't want it ringing and making noises while I'm there. Same with um, having a meal somewhere. If we're in a restaurant, then I'll turn the phone off. There's nothing more annoying, is there, than someone next to you or the next table or on a train or a bus. Someone's rabbiting on the phone and they all seem to be rather loud. It is quite rude, really. Yes, I I remember my brother saying that. That was back in the 70s, he said that. That came about because we were having a, a chat about something quite serious and the phone rang and he answered it, cutting off our, our chat. I suppose he should have left it. He did for a while after that. If the phone rang and we're having a chat... This is when I was round at his place. He wouldn't answer it. He was having a chat to me. He's not going to answer the phone. That's quite funny, that. It would ring and ring. Then it would stop. Then it would ring and ring again. (laughs) I do answer the phone, the landline anyway. Not always the mobile. Depends who's calling. (laughs) But I don't always answer the front door. If the front doorbell goes, I'll have a spy out of the window to see who it is. If it's someone with a clipboard or someone in a suit with a briefcase. No, I don't want to know. Whatever it is, I'm not, not interested. Go away. I do think that they should ban cold calling, you know, the way these people, well, phone and calling at your house, especially phone, because they, they see to phone right in the middle of, say, meal time. You're just having a meal, or you're watching a film in the evening, and the phone will go, hi, how's your day? Well, it was fine until you rang. What do you want? Go away. <laughs> of course, in the old days of landline phones, if the phone rang, it was someone you knew or someone you'd given your number to. Or they'd, if you were in the phone directory, they could look you up. 
but you didn't get the cold calling. Hi, you know, I can sort your windows out. I can repair your roof and all this rubbish. Give me your bank account details and I'll put £2,000 in there for you. What they mean is they'll withdraw £10,000. But back then, I think a lot of people were ex-directory, which meant they weren't in the telephone book. You couldn't look them up. And if you, what was it, 152, you could dial the, the number 152 and you could say, oh, Mr Smith, you know, 33 Bloggs Road, what's his phone number? And they'd tell you. But again, if it was ex-directory, she'd say, sorry, that number's ex-directory and that'd be the end of that. You couldn't get the phone number. So it was only family, friends that would phone I must admit there are several times now, if the phone rings, I look at the number on the on the thing, you know, it displays the number. If it's not one I know, I don't bother to answer it. We have an answering machine, of course. If then someone says, oh, hello, it's so-and-so, and it's important, I will then, I'll butt in and stop the machine. But uh, in the main, I don't bother to answer it. A friend of mine, he didn't like telephones. I'm going back years again. He didn't like the telephone. And if his wife was out, he wouldn't answer it. If she'd phone him about something, he wouldn't answer. I don't know what it was. He had a thing about telephones. I'm not sure what it was. He'd answer the door, he'd speak to people, but he just wouldn't answer the phone, which was, uh, well, it could be annoying if I was wanted to phone him, ask him something. I'd just have to hope that his wife was there and she'd answer and pass the phone over to him. I think life back then was, people say there wasn't the rat race, it was a lot calmer. None of this rushing about... I think it was a lot more private back then. These days we've got Facebook and WhatsApp and all these platforms. Everyone's messaging each other, mobile phones. They're sending photos to each other, videos, audio clips. It seems to me that there's always something going on. People walk along the street. They're on their phone, aren't they? They're on a bus or the train. They're on their phone, pressing buttons. In restaurants, as I said, I turned mine off, but other people, they're on the phone, they're pressing buttons and they're speaking to people. It was a lot more private back then. In the old days, go out for a meal with your, your wife, your girlfriend, and you'd sit there, the two of you, and you'd have a chat. There weren't these continual interruptions or silence, total silence between the two of you because you're both pressing phone buttons. It was a lot better then. In that respect, I have seen signs outside restaurants, no mobile phones, switch them off, which I think is a good thing. Of course, there are these apps, aren't there? You can check up on your kids, where they are. You can see where they are, which is useful. I suppose with any new technology, problems come along as well. There are problems with it. I've had an email from Simon. Hello, Simon. Nice to hear from you. <laughs> Quite a, a strange subject. He says, before double glazing, back in your day in the 50s and 60s, weren't the windows drafty? And did they rattle in the wind? They did. Well, we had crittle. I think I've mentioned these windows before, crittle metal windows. But one of the houses uh, that we lived in, it had the old wooden sash windows and they were dreadful. I had to put new ropes. They had rope going up each side then over a pulley and then down inside the window frame to some heavy weights each side so when you lift the window it was kind of balanced by the weights otherwise you'd have to lift the whole thing yourself which would be very heavy and also it wouldn't stay up where you'd put it so the weights made it balanced if you see what I mean and I had to replace the rope because one side broke but yes they they did rattle in the wind I, <laughs> I remember stuffing cigarette packets 
because I smoked back in those dreadful days of smoking. I stuffed cigarette packets, old cigarette packets, between the, the rattly window and the frame. And of course, the draft still came through. Uh, so you drew the curtains across to try try and keep the draft out. But uh, they were amazing. I think in a lot of ways, Simon, as he's mentioned, as he's put it, there probably weren't so many germs around then because you had fresh air in the house. And I, you're right. I think in many ways it was good to have the, the air blasting in through cracks in the window frame, between the window and the frame. It was really drafty. You know, you could walk into a room and feel it. I remember people taping them up, getting sellotape and various other things, jamming bits of cloth down each side of the window to keep the draft out. But I must say that these days, living in a sealed box as we do, double glazing and all the insulation, everything, we're sealed in, aren't we? We're sealed in a kind of airtight box, which I don't think is always a good idea. It's fine if you open a window, which we do. Always have a window open at night, always have windows open in the day, even in the winter, because we've got a coal fire. Now, that was good in the old days, a coal fire. Now, that needs air. It needs oxygen to burn, obviously. And you can get a real draft under the door. If it's the lounge or the dining room fire going under the door, there's a huge draft created by the fire because it's dragging air in. It needs, it sucks the oxygen <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, yes, we had a lot of drafts back then, Simon. Double glazing is obviously a lot better in many ways, but again, it's it's something I miss from the old days. The, the draft, the, the rattling wind. You knew it was rough outside. You knew the wind was blowing because the windows are all rattling <laughs> and there's drafts everywhere. Happy days, as I'm always saying. It's easy to look back, as I do, it's very easy to say, oh, wonderful times, they were absolutely marvellous. They weren't, not in every way, they weren't. Some aspects of the 50s were awful, and the 60s awful. A lot of people didn't have a great deal of money, they couldn't afford to heat their homes, well, a bit like now, but worse. I think it was worse than these days. There are poor people these days that are struggling financially, but back then, I think people, I think it was almost the norm amongst a lot of communities that they struggled financially. It was just a way of life. It was normal. It wasn't unusual. It wasn't, oh dear, that poor family down the road, they're having problems. All the families were having problems. As I've said before, very few people had a car with the running costs, the petrol, the tax, the insurance. People just couldn't afford it. A lot of people didn't have a television. In the 50s, Hardly anyone had a TV, hardly anyone had a telephone, simply because they couldn't afford it. So it wasn't all lovely and happy and rosy in the garden. It wasn't like that at all. People grew, as I've said, their own vegetables, not because they enjoyed gardening or they enjoyed growing vegetables. They did that because they had to. They couldn't afford to go and buy them. So you buy packets of seeds or have your own seeds from last year's crop, like runner beans. You can keep some of the seeds and plant them next year. And for many people, that was a necessity, not because they enjoyed gardening. Also, back then, people didn't have gardeners, painters and decorators coming in. It's quite amazing how many people these days, I'm not talking about rich or well-off people, I'm talking about average families, because husband works, wife works, they have a cleaner come in for so much an hour. A cleaner will do an hour or two a day, 
perhaps three days a week or whatever, and mowing the lawn and keeping the garden nice. People have a gardener, again, so much an hour, and he'll pop in once a fortnight to mow the lawn. Window cleaners, well, we've always had window cleaners, haven't we? Back in the 50s and 60s, people cleaned their own windows. People did their own garden. People did their own housework. You, you couldn't pay someone else to do it. There were laundries, weren't there? Funnily enough, someone mentioned recently, do I remember the laundry in Worthing? Was it Sunny? Sunny Laundry? I think it was in East Worthing. And they had vans and these big cases. They'd come round, collect your, your dirty washing and you'd put it in this big case. They'd take it away and it would come back all washed and ironed and ready just for you to wear again. But not many people could afford that. I do remember the laundry vans going around. My mother certainly couldn't afford to do that. She was, uh, Monday was wash day and she spent all day, every Monday, washing. I mean, there were six of us, four kids, mum and dad. Monday was wash day. <laughs> and that, that was her job. All day Mondays, every Monday. Sunday night was bath night. Oh, I'm going back now, aren't I? Who remembers that? Sunday night was bath night. You didn't have a shower every day like people do now. You had a bath every Sunday night and share the water. I'd have a bath because I'm the oldest one. Then my sister would have my bath water and she'd go and wash in that. <laughs> Imagine doing that now. They said, didn't they, was it during the power cuts in the early 70s? The government said, share your bath water, share a bath with a friend. And people were saying, well, hang on a minute. I don't really want to get into the bath with my friend. Unless it's perhaps rather a tasty lady or a handsome looking lad over the road, then you know the, the man or the woman might think, oh yeah, perhaps I will share a bath. But no, seriously, they said share a bath because of the water shortages. Yeah, that was, um, I forget which year that was. You'll know, you'll remind me, won't you? Raise rants at protonmail.com. But kids did share baths. When they were very young, you'd stick them all in the bath together, you know, all six of them. <laughs> Well, perhaps not all six of them. You perhaps do three and then chuck them out and put the other three in, which was OK. They all got washed. They all got cleaned. They all had their hair washed. And then you go and stand by the coal fire, shivering in a big towel while mum's drying you. And then she'd do your hair with a brush, which hurt. <laughs> and after all that, right, that's it. Go to bed. Oh, is that it? Is that the end of the weekend? Yes, go to bed. Can you imagine saying to kids these days, right, uh, Julie, you have a bath. You know, this is perhaps a 12-year-old girl. You have a bath. She does her bath and gets out. Then, right, Fred, 10-year-old, you go and use Julie's bath water. What? I'm not sitting in that. <laughs> they wouldn't do it, would they? I'm not doing that. They'd be saying Struth or Stone the Crows. <laughs> Cripes. Crikey, I'm not doing that. Crumbs. I don't know what they'd say these days. Well, they, I know they wouldn't do it. We don't have a bath. Once the grandchildren, well, our children left, then the grandchildren, they got older. Because when they're little, you know, you can put them in the bath. We just have the shower now. We got rid of the bath years ago. And I think a lot of people have done that. A lot of people don't have a bath anymore. In fact, older people remember this. People would keep coal, this is true, in the bath. How about that? Coal for your, your coal fire, your open fire. They would keep it in the bath because they didn't use the bath. They didn't wash. Well, they did. They had uh, what, like a strip wash, wasn't it? You stand by the basin and you have a strip wash. I remember my mum saying when we were young, if, if we'd been out and we got a bit mucky, go and have a strip wash. You're not having a bath because that's too much water. So we'd have this 
this drip wash business. But people, honestly, I've seen coal in baths. I remember one of the kids at school, I went round his house, went into the, into the bathroom and the bath's full of coal. That's the first time I'd seen it. I didn't know anything about that. And I remember, I, I didn't say anything to him, but I remember asking my parents, I said, why is his bath full of coal? What, what's that all about? And they said, yeah, quite a few people do that. There's nowhere else to put the coal. And it's handy, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose this was a, a bungalow. This was downstairs. I don't know whether they kept it upstairs. You'd have to lug it all the way up there, then all the way down again. But uh, as was pointed out to me, it's quite handy. You want a bit of coal for the fire, you go and shovel a bit out of the bath. <laughs> Can you imagine people doing that now? I can't. Anyway, enough's enough. I'm going to end it here. It's getting hotter. Hang on, what's the temperature in this? In my, I was going to say, air-conditioned studio. The aircon's broken down. 26. 26 centigrade in here it is. So I'm going to have a, a break now. Trisha's at Butlins. I'm here alone, well, with the tortoise. And it's getting hotter and hotter. So I'm going to say goodbye to you all. Thank you for listening. I've really enjoyed whining and moaning and ranting and going on. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me. Take care. Look after yourselves. Don't get too hot. Have you seen all these government warnings and health warnings? If it's hot, drink plenty of water. Well, we know that. If it's hot, don't go and sit in the sun. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't realise. Oh, thank you for the advice. I was going to go and sit out there and not drink anything all day. Stone the crows. See you on Wednesday with the midweek message. Take care. Bye-bye for now.